This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 348. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by Matthew Marister, co-host, producer extraordinaire. What's going on, man? Hey, buddy. Glad to have you yet again. Yeah. Glad I to be re- here. I really wanted Jacob today. But... I know. You, you settled with me. That's fine. <laughs> I'm good at being back up, you know? <laughs> you know, I finally got around uh, to listening to the episode you and Jacob recorded last week without me. Loved uh, it. Because I was busy away <laughs> doing stuff. And uh, it was not a bad episode. That's true. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was all Jacob's doing, but yeah, it was good. good. I, I definitely would have had some thoughts to counter a couple of things that were said, mostly by him, just to be clear. But uh, no, actually, it was it was not too bad. You know, talking about, uh, what were you guys talking about again? <laughs> the concept is in my mind. The title has slipped my mind. But, we were uh, talking about like just basically uh, different gun owners saying different not things. Not shaming like, people. Not, yeah. And, there we go. Yeah. That's basically what it was when it come down to it. Was let's, let's talk to people, let's have conversations with people and not shame them about stuff. And that's a difficult thing to do, I think, in this day and age of social media. Um, so yeah, I uh, I appreciated the, you guys covering that topic for show. Definitely. Hopefully our Florida folks are doing okay climbing out of the, uh, the whatever, not the rubble, I hope. <laughs> no, it actually looks like, uh, at least the people I know... I, I, it looks to me like everything is okay and maybe things weren't as bad as it might have or could have been, but uh, still a pretty intense storm. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, hope you guys are all doing well. Ben says he's he broke into the hurricane snacks for this since I won't be needing them for the hurricane. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> yep. And uh, Chad Enos over at uh, Caltech, he just told me a little bit ago he's he he made it into Dallas uh, for the Personal Protection Expo that Jacob is attending, and I am not. Uh, so Jacob will be seeing Chad there. I'm going to be in this Concealed Carry Instructor Development course that I'm hosting uh, on behalf of Jeff Gonzalez. It'll be a great time. Um, so I'm glad that Chad was able to get on a plane and get out of the uh, Florida area and over to Texas, the great state of Texas. Yeah. So uh, I'll be missing you though, bro, and hope everything's well uh, at home and with the uh, company headquarters there. All righty, we'll have to get Chad back on the podcast at some point because uh, he's a—I think he's a listener favorite. Yeah, he's a hoot. <laughs> so they say in in the South, I think. Today's episode, by the way, brought to you by the new Law of Self Defense Defense of Property DVD video course. Uh, this is a great. Uh, video that you're going to want to check out, especially, I think it, there's even some relevance to somewhat to what we're talking about today, uh, at least with the specific story that uh, Matthew's going to be sharing. Not necessarily a defensive property issue, but it, it, it all it comes into play a little bit. I mean, anytime we're having to defend ourselves in or around our homes or our properties, our vehicles, whatever it is, defensive property from law of self-defense is going to set you straight, make sure you understand the law where it comes to law of self-defense in those respective areas uh, or locations. And that's really important. We, we, we should be responsible concealed carriers and know what the law actually means and what it actually says. 
And so attorney Andrew Branca, our resident, can I say that resident expert attorney? So. <laughs> he doesn't really reside it. within, uh, with, you know, within <laughs> our business or, or live with us either, but, uh, he, he's our go-to guy for sure. So anyway, uh, Great, great video course, Defensive Property, that is available both in a DVD format as well as an online format. And you can also buy both if you'd like to have both options available to you. Check it out. Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash defense of property. All one word. Concealed, concealedcarry.com forward slash defense of property. All right. Check it out. I think you'll appreciate what it has to offer. All righty. So, Matthew, recently, in fact, by recently, like you, you told me about it just a little bit ago, and I hadn't even seen it yet because it was just published just mm-hmm. a little bit ago, right? Uh, uh, this morning, I believe, in fact. So you wrote an article on our site, concealedcarry.com site, titled "Overconfidence When Armed," and why don't why don't you kind of give us the you know executive summary, if you will, <laughs> of what this article kind of says, what what the what the core you know meaning or purpose of you writing this article, and and there's also kind of a story that goes along with it too. Yeah, so I won't read the whole article because I want you guys to read it anyways. But um, <laughs> no, but here here's the deal. So I'm as we go through the 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 DGU stories or uh, justified safe stories, I, I filter out a lot of these stories, and one of the stories I came across, um, or and I come across often so, similar stories is um, the story I came across this recent time, didn't make it into the show um, before, but um, this is a a common thing that happens. So in the story, um, I'll quote from the story, what happens is um, a man tells deputies, he hears his doorbell ring, he grabs his firearm to go see who it was, opens the door to someone aiming a gun at him. and so that's kind of how the story starts. And um, many, many of these stories and, and new stories that I read start similarly. And I, I can't help but think that occasionally, even inside our home and, and outside, uh, uh, certainly, but inside our home, we have that feel that we are safer, right? And we are typically than from outside. So we get into kind of a you know, a lower condition, if you want to call it condition white or whatever it is, um, where we're not totally on our game as far as situational awareness and things going on, right? And people sometimes do things that they wouldn't normally do, like open a door at 1030 at night without either looking through the peephole or looking through a side light or, or trying to identify who's there, even asking, hey, who is it? Um, in this case, the guy opens the door, person's already aiming a firearm at them. Now, I don't care if you have a sub-second draw. I don't care if the gun's in your hand and at your side. Somebody with the gun drawn on you is going to be quicker than even your reaction to pick up the gun and fire a well-aimed shot at this person. So even if you have the gun behind your back, like some people you know, open the door and they have the gun behind their back or something, a person who's aiming a gun at your face has the advantage, right? And, and so... Um, I, I, I attribute some of this, these actions to people getting overconfident with their firearm and believing, well, I have my firearm with me. I don't have to look outside. If I open the door and it's a bad guy, I'll you know, either close the door or I have my firearm and, and I'll be able to handle the situation. Well, in this case, he, cl- the, he slams the door and fires through the, the closed door and he ends up shooting his hand. 
Now that's the only injury he, you know, sustains the, the, the bad guys run away. And for all intents and purposes, he stopped the home invasion or whatever was going to happen. Um, so I guess this is chalked up as a win, but it's not something that we want to imitate. And if we can uh, identify some certain things that he did wrong, maybe um, he doesn't even have to shoot himself in the hand next time or, you know, whoever's listening or reading this, the article can say, oh, that's probably not what I want to end up having to have to do, put rounds through my hand and the door. So that's how it kind of started. And then there, obviously on Facebook, obviously things kind of explode when somebody makes comments and kind of <laughs> build off of that. And it was a good, uh, robust discussion. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, this, this brings, a, brings up a good point, right? So, I mean, you use this story as an example of Perhaps. Now, granted, you're, we're kind of making some assumptions here, but that's okay. It's, I think it's appropriate to make assumptions about situations. We do it all the time with the justified save stories because we have to, because you just don't have a lot of detail. And it's appropriate to do so when you're, you're, you're using that as an opportunity to communicate a point, I think, anyway. Uh, and so, you know, it's not really helpful necessarily to read a news story and just leave it be as that, like, hey, this happened, you know, like, okay. Well, if we apply some context to that story, using that story as a framework, then we might be able to start extracting some lessons that could be learned from that. Uh, sometimes we get fortunate, we get really detailed news reports or stories of defensive gun uses or justified saves. And uh, those, are, those are great, but those are the exception rather than the rule. And so we have kind of something similar here, right? Man answers door, two guys there, gun you know, pointed in his face, he tries to respond. He's very lucky he didn't just get straight up shot in the head, you know, by, by one of these thugs. Um, you know, to your point, like if somebody already has a gun on you or they at least have their hand on a gun, like, and you don't, like your gun's still in your holster, then yes, you are disadvantaged. And when you're in a situation like that, you have to, like you have to wait your turn, as John Korea calls it. You have to wait or make an opportunity where you take their mind and their eye off of you for just a split second. It doesn't take a lot necessarily, uh, but if you want, go back to the episode with John Korea we did where we talk about this very concept uh, in great detail you know, as far as like how much time does it take for somebody who shifts their, their eyes you know, away from you and then back for them to react to something you're doing? How long does it take when they actually turn their head? You know, and all these sorts of things. Like if you see their just their ear, you know, on the side of their head. Uh, you know, he talks about, you, you know, and I can't remember the exact numbers, but basically it goes for anywhere from you have maybe 0.9 seconds to maybe, maybe almost as much as a second and a half, right? Depending on how much away from you they, they turn, right? So that's, you know, I'm just talking about that to illustrate the point that if somebody has the drop on you, right, they already have their gun on you in a or even just have their hand on their gun, they already have you know so much an advantage over you. So you have to wait your turn. Uh, you can't just go straight to the gun because you're going to lose, most likely, most likely. There's certainly no guarantee. Certainly that that criminal could miss his first shot or two, uh, but uh, we don't want to take that chance, right? We want to make sure we do everything we can. That This is what sound tactics is all about, is applying the appropriate tactics based on a, you know, a certain set of, of conditions or circumstances that's going to maximize our chance to prevail in this situation. So, 
anyway, uh, back to, you know, what we're talking about here as far as overconfidence. Again, I, I started this off with, you were making some assumptions that that's kind of like what's going on here as far as why this man was just at 1030 at night. Oh, knock at the door. Okay. Throw open door. Oh, wow. I'm being robbed or whatever. Right. Um, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of different directions we can go with this, but is it possible that he's overconfident because he has his gun or he carries a gun? Absolutely. That is possible. In fact, I think this is a common thing that carrying a gun, I think for virtually every gun carrier does in fact increase confidence. And frankly, I'm glad it does. Yeah, it's right. Like, you know, that, that that's, that's one of the, one of the powers, if you will. And I'm going to be really careful about how I say that. Because that'll become clear here in just a little bit as we start talking about magic talismans, but one of the powers of carrying a gun provided the individual knows how to use it and is effective with it is it should increase confidence because now I have a tool that I can use that maybe I previously did not a tool that equalizes the playing field somewhat, right? Because I might not be, this is not necessarily an excuse to be lazy and, you know, a slob necessarily, but I might not be the, the most fit individual. I might not be the strongest individual. And some of us, we don't even have a choice, right? You know, like some of us are just built small, short, you know, not that strong, whatever. Um, others are, I guess, blessed with genes where they're bigger and stronger. Um, but the um, point is, is it, it levels that playing field, right? So confidence, I think, is increased because we carry a gun. And that's not a bad thing. But we have to not let it become a, what's the word? A metaphorical, is that, is that, is this the correct use of the word metaphorical? I think so. Metaphorical <laughs> force field. Yeah. Right? Just because you carry this gun doesn't mean suddenly, <laughs> you know, all enemy attacks are rejected, right? You know, like that's not how it works. No, and, and I would say in, in interacting with a lot of people through concealed carry classes and things like that and talking to them when they first start understanding this, they, they believe, uh, not everybody, obviously we're not talking about everybody, but there is a subset of people that believe as soon as I have my firearm, I am safe. And that is just not true. It's just as poor of a tactical mindset as putting a sign up and saying, if I put a sign that says no guns, I am safe. Because the only way you are safe is if your mind is engaged and you're aware of your surroundings and you can do something to stop somebody from harming you. And a sign isn't going to do that. And a gun in your holster or a gun in your hand isn't necessarily going to do that. I, I put in, in, in the article that uh, like something that I, I thought kind of summarized it is having a firearm increases your chance of survival, but it doesn't ensure it, right? Like just because you have a firearm, yes, we should be confident and in, in, in understand now I have another tool, like you said, and it gives me more options, but it's certainly not an insurance policy that, you know, nothing bad will happen. I, I mean, we, we see this all the time where people think, you know, nothing's ever going to happen to me. I'll be able to do this. Uh, I, you know, uh, I train all the time, so I'm going to look, I mean, Navy SEALs, uh, Green Berets, whatever top elite tier person you want to think of the best SWAT officer, 
they get shot and killed sometimes. Yeah. And it's not because the, the person has better tactics. It's because they have the advantage. And so you can strap as many guns as you want. And the only way that's going to save you is if there's enough metal to create like some sort of like, you know, chest plate that's going to stop the bullet because the gun itself is only a tool and you have to use it to protect yourself. And I think uh, it's a dangerous road to to go down when we start doing things that we wouldn't normally do because we have a gun. And I would imagine that this guy has a gun in his house because he says, I want to be able to protect my, myself and, and my family inside the house. So he carries the gun over to the door because he knows the gun is a tool. But then why make such an obvious blunder as to open a door at 1030 at night and not try to identify who's behind the door. That's, you know, it wasn't like, Hey, it's a pizza and he's expecting a pizza. And then it turns out that that's not what happened. These people were pointing a gun at the door. When he opened the door, the guns pointed at him. So it wasn't like there was any kind of miss. He looked out the window and didn't see somebody and they just popped up. I mean, any sort of check would have showed that there was somebody at the door intending to do harm. And so I have to think that he didn't, he wouldn't have opened the door had he not had the the gun with him, at least to some degree. And we see this in other cases where people go places that they wouldn't normally go to because they have a firearm on them, you know, like, oh, I wouldn't go over there, but now that I'm a concealed carry, you know, I, I feel safer. And it's like, it's still the same crime infested area. Yep. Um, I might take this opportunity to kind of deviate a little bit and bring up a topic that has been uh, somewhat heated. Mm, in, uh, I know where you're going. So. <laughs> uh, and that is kind of the idea of open carry, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and you know, where I'm going with this, with this is that a common, in fact, probably the number one thing that is mentioned as a reason to open carry is that it may act as a deterrent to crime occurring. Now, I'm willing to be intellectually honest and say that is certainly possible, perhaps even likely, right? Uh, So, all right, there is probably some level of deterrent. I'm not going to focus so much on whether it truly is a deterrent or not. That's actually something that's very hard to know with 100% certainty or to what level of deterrence we, we, we get. Uh, certainly, I think there's some criminals that would see somebody with a gun and be like, eh, I don't want to tangle with him today, right? Especially a criminal that doesn't have a gun, <laughs> right? Uh, although that's not even a for sure thing either because there's certainly plenty of evidence, plenty of, of articles I could point to where, at least as far as we know, an unarmed criminal uh, looked for the right opportunity to ambush a person carrying a gun. And they obviously wouldn't ambush them with the purpose of taking the gun if they didn't know they had a gun. So it implies they're either open carrying or at least their concealed carry was not very effective, which is just about the same as open, right? Right. And so there's plenty of evidence where that comes into play where, you know, a criminal targets somebody because they're open carrying, right? So there's clearly an element of criminal out there that is not deterred. They're willing to go that far. Uh, especially if they can find the opportunity, especially if they uh, if they feel like they can can ambush in such a way, right? That it that it's almost certain 
it's almost a certain thing that they're going to be able to accomplish this this uh, act uh, successfully. Um, all right, so where, where am I going with this? Well, where I'm going with this is that for a person that says the reason I carry openly is because it's a deterrent, I think that is potentially a very limited uh, mindset, a, a limited view of what you know. It, frequently hear the phrase, you know, well, I don't want to be a soft target, right? And so me having my gun on my hip openly carried uh, will make it so that I'm not a soft target. But if that, you know, honestly, that that's a very, I think that is a, a short-sighted uh, view of what goes into a criminal deciding whether you are a soft target or not. It is not the only factor that a criminal will use to determine if you are someone they want to tangle with. There's a lot more to that. If that's what you think, then you actually have a pretty, you have a misconception as to what situational awareness, mindset, and I don't know how to, how to describe this exactly, how, the, how, I, how it's in my mind, but like there's just, there's just a lot more that goes into not being and not appearing to be a victim, right? Yeah. In, in those people that you're, those criminals that you're describing, the ones that will try to take a, f- a firearm from somebody, um, they're the more violent. They're, they're, they're more sophisticated. They're more violent. I'm not saying they're intelligent or their crimes are more sophisticated. I'm saying for somebody to do that is either they are not you know, there are some criminals that have mental illnesses and, and they react, you know, uh, crazy, you know, in crazy ways. But a criminal who is going to try to disarm a citizen is more likely to be violent than somebody who says, I don't want to get involved. I'm just going to try to steal this person's purse because they're not looking. Um, I mean, if, if guns were a, if guns themselves were a deterrent alone, then police officers would never be assaulted. Suspects would never take their firearm away from them. Suspects would never assault a police officer um, because they would presumably know that that person's armed. They would see the firearm, right? But that's just not the case. There is there there are absolutely criminals that stop when police point guns at them and tell them to stop. And then there are those that say, "Go ahead and shoot me." And if you're not legally justified to shoot them, then you're you know you're in a fight. And right. so, I I think where people go wrong is they say like immediately, okay, you're against open carry. And that's not the case. I'm not saying we're against open carry. I'm not saying I'm against having a gun in your fire in in your home for personal protection. I'm just saying, understand how to use it, understand what it's, what it's abilities are um, and what they're not. You know, we always talk about, well, guns are inanimate objects, you know, they're, they're neither, neither evil or good. And it's the hand, whoever's, you know, in their hand, it could either be used for good or evil, but yet then we want to, you know, uh, uh, provide some sort of magical power to this thing where wherever I go, people, criminals are going to look at me and turn the other way. And if anybody pulls a knife on me, it doesn't matter how close they are. I'm going to be able to pull my gun and, and shoot them and stop them. And it's just, that's just not reality. And so I, I mean, we don't want, I don't want to throw like a wet blanket on somebody, but the gun is an awesome tool, but it's just that it's a tool. It's part of a comprehensive thing that you have to, start with your brain and understanding the situation. So 
Yeah, there's a really good uh, suggestion, by the way, from uh, Delena, who's uh, viewing the podcast on the book face here today. And she says that she recommends uh, uh, William April's uh, Unthinkable class, which is a great class. I've not taken it, but I'm familiar with the concepts he teaches in it. And I've certainly uh, talked to a number of individuals, uh, essentially received after action, you know, reports um, from people that have attended that class. Uh, and I've seen some other different things and videos and things from, from, from him that I, you know, so that's a great suggestion. I hope to catch that class personally firsthand one of these days. I also recommend reading Varg Freeborn's book, Violence of Mind. Excellent book on seeing the world through a criminal's eyes from somebody that's been on both sides. Um, not necessarily by choice, right? He, Varg was kind of raised in a criminal sort of like household and family and, 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 and culture and community. And so, you know, but, but he's managed to, uh, I don't, I don't think he really wanted to be a criminal per se, but uh, he did spend some time in jail and was able to get out and uh, turn his life completely around and have certain rights restored. And now he's a well-regarded uh, instructor and trainer. Uh, excellent book, Violent of Mind. I highly recommend people read it. Now, reading something like that or going through uh, 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 William uh, April's uh, Unthinkable course and things like that that are really focused on this idea of mindset and hardening ourselves, at least from the viewpoint of, you know, not becoming a victim. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it as far as like your body language, your posture, uh, whether you are actually being alert and aware as opposed to being focused on a particular activity, focused on a mobile device, focused on a child, which, you know, this is a really tough thing. This is something I think about quite often. And in certain public spaces, when I'm, when I'm occupied with a child, I have to occasionally, you know, it's, I got to kick back in and be like, okay, I got to deal with my child. At the same time, I, I can't let that become so much of my focus that it opens me up to be a potential victim. Um, getting into vehicles, getting out of vehicles, uh, those are prime time for, for us to be targeted. And it's just very easy for us to lackadaisically, you know, hop out of the car, you know, cause we're, we're in a hurry. We're trying to get someplace, trying to get things done, whatever it is. Right. So, uh, how you're dressed, you know, Matthew, I'm, I know you get this, bud. I know you'll, you'll get this. And, and I'm pretty sure I can almost picture in my mind what Matthew, the cop looked like. But you know the difference it makes between a cop that is well put together as far as his dress, boots, his gear, and a cop that kind of comes off as looking like a slot. Right? I'm telling you that the, the, psycho, the psychology of just that appearance is so huge. Um, I mean, and in, in I've talked to criminals in, in – you know, they'll, they'll say, you know, your, your gear was all polished up. Your boots were clean. You, you, you know, you looked like you knew what was going on. You didn't look like, you know, you had cheese curls all over your chest and, and like all frazzled. I mean, and so, I mean, and it's true. And they'll say, you know, I, I, I didn't want to mess around. I, I didn't want to mess around because I know you guys were going to handle business and I didn't want to get screwed up. And I knew I was going to jail anyways, but I guarantee you, if a criminal has the opportunity and sees a weakness in the officer or the person or whatever it is, that's what they're going to prey on. And so, you know, it doesn't mean you have to dress like a, a you know, a tuxedo and a, a, what, a, but <laughs> psychology of the criminal um, is deeper yeah. than what people mostly think of. 
Yep. Right. And, yep. and so they're very predatory in nature and they will go for the weakest, just like water, the weakest path of least resistance. Yep. Absolutely. It's, it's such a, such a huge factor. I mean, now here's the cool thing that I appreciated about, uh, uh, Vark Freeborn's book, Violence of Mind, is he actually really, he talks about the, some of the nuances in like, so we, we could go out into public and, almost look like we have armor on, you know, meaning that like we're dressed in, in tactical oriented clothing and, you know, very, very well put together, boots shined or clean, polished, whatever, you know, got my 5.11 pants. I got my, my, my 5.11, you know, tack light pro shirt that matches with the pockets and the, and the pockets on the sleeve or my pen, my tactical pen. You can have all this stuff put together and look like, like you just got out of the military or just returned from contracting work in the Middle East. <laughs> and even that is not the best play, right? With some criminals, because some of them will be like, you know, they will, they will look at that and almost sometimes take that as a challenge. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Varg talks about the nuances of, you know, we want to be, our eyes want to be up. We want to be looking around at the same time. We want to be almost careful about locking in on somebody and making really intense eye contact. Like eye, con- eye contact is good, but not if it, if you like really, because if you stare somebody down, there are criminal guys, there are criminals out there that'll take that as a, what are you looking at me for, bro? What do you, mm. what do you, why are you staring at me, bro? Like, what, what's going on, man? And, and suddenly it's on, right? So it is so nuanced. All right. So we've, we've really kind of dived into the weeds and some of this stuff. Let me bring us on back a little bit here. So I talked about this and here's the big reason. There's so much more to it than strapping a gun on and suddenly we're magically protected, Right. It's way bigger than that, more complex and more nuanced than probably many of us even truly understand or realize or want to know. That's the reality. And so it comes down to, like, if, if we think that having the gun means that we're sudden, we suddenly have nothing to worry about and thereby goes out the window training, regular practice, you know, and such nuanced things like how we're dressed and our body language and all this stuff, then then we're in the wrong, I think, right? Like that's, this is the Concealed Carry Podcast and we're here to hopefully teach people and inspire people to truly live this Concealed Carry lifestyle, right? If you're here and you're listening to this, you're here for a reason. And it's, there's just, there's just. I, I guess I, my point is, what I hope someone takes away from this is that there's just so much more out there to be aware of and to consider. Now, you might be early on in your journey, and you might be sitting there going, "Ooh, wow, I don't know if I'm ready for this." That's okay, right? We have tons of other content and episodes we've done in the past, and we'll have more coming in the future, where we talk about some of these nuances and we di- dig deep on some of these issues about what's the What's the best way? What's the proper way? What's the responsible way of being a, a concealed carrier, a CCWer? Final thoughts, Matthew? No, that's all. I mean, really, the, the gun is a tool and our brain is the, the be- best weapon we really have. I mean, and so if that's not part of your game plan and the gun is and your tack light or your holster and that's all you care about um, and you're leaving your brain back home, then you're way behind the power curve. So, yep. 
Yep. Get out there, get some training, practice, dry fire, all that. Uh, work on your mind, mindset, right? That mental prep is, is huge. And also emotional prep. Like, I think we often overlook the fact that uh, being a responsible concealed carrier also means we have to have a lot of emotional maturity, mm-hmm. right? And actually going back to, you know, I've, I've, I've been working towards, I, I've got Varg's info. <laughs> I think I'll just send him a message today and say, dude, we got to get you on the show. So instead of me just talking about it, uh, let's just bring him on and we can, we can talk about this stuff and talk about his book and all that stuff. But uh, uh, I don't remember where I was going with that, but I, I had one more final thought there. What did I say just before, just a second ago? Uh, uh, how Varg has an awesome name. <laughs> it is a pretty awesome name. Awesome gotta, name, right? I got to give you that. <laughs> I got to give you that. Anyway. Um, mm, yeah, I had, I had, I had a connecting thought and that little thread between this brain cell and that brain cell gone. Oof. <laughs> anyway, so let's wrap it up folks. Again, today's episode made possible brought to you by law of self defense's new video product, the defense of property DVD slash video online video. You can stream it. You can get the physical copy, do whatever you want. Where is it available? Just head on over to concealedcarry.com forward slash defense of property. All right. Once again, concealedcarry.com forward slash defense of property. I'm looking forward to having a great weekend. I hope everybody else does as well. Matthew, you too, sir. You too. Never be listening. I'll be sweating and working my tail off uh, in this instructor course. Uh, just uh, looking to, I'm looking forward to spending this time with Jeff and uh, also hope maybe we'll do a podcast recording in person while he's here because that'll be kind of fun. We'll see if we can pull that together. Nice. Uh, but uh, just looking forward to it. It'll be a great time. And Jacob will be off at the Personal Protection Expo and you'll be doing whatever it is you do out there in Ohio, buddy. Yeah, I don't do much, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm a bum, dude. <laughs> One final little call out. We do have still some space in our September 20th to 22nd Triple Guardian Pistol course. Uh, come join us. You can find uh, more info and how to get signed up at, at class.concealedcarry.com. Go to Colorado, find you know our full listing of classes and look at the dates September 20th to 22nd and you can get signed up right there, class.concealedcarry.com. We hope that you'll come out and uh, join us in that uh, training. It'll be a great time. So with that, we are going to let you go. Thanks again, Matthew, for all you do. Thank you, sir. And so with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.